Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. What's up, everyone? Lisa Fields here, and I'm so excited about our new curriculum, Courageous Conversations. You heard about our popular conference, Courageous Conversations, where we invite the leading pastors, thought leaders, and scholars from conservative and progressive backgrounds for conversations. But we not only want to have those conversations on stage at the conference, but we want you to have them in your everyday life. So we developed a curriculum for you to do just that. Courageous Conversations curriculum, the tools you need for the conversations and culture. You can get that today on Amazon or on our website at ju3project.org. What's up, everybody? This is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I'm so excited uh, to have a special guest with us. We're in a uh, podcast studio today instead of the normal spot. I have with me in person, there we go. in the flesh, in not simulcast, <laughs> John. Oh, welcome, yeah, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Glad to be here. Yeah, the energy is just different when you're in the same room. Yeah, right? yeah. Tell our audience who may not know you just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, John Anwachekwa. Born and raised in Houston, Texas, live in Atlanta right now. So next month will mark 13 years. I'm married to Chandra for 15 years. Five-year-old daughter, Ava. I pastor a church in Atlanta, Cornerstone Church. Author, right? This is my book right here. So I write and um, live in the historic West End. So we live there. The church is there. And right before the pandemic started a coffee company there that was aimed at economic empowerment for the community that we live in. 95% of my life takes place within five square blocks. And I really just want to go deep there. And you're being modest about the coffee company. Y'all have exploded <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah. in Target and all the things. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, the balance sheet at the end of the day looks pretty good. Well, we're here to talk about your book, We Go On. What was the inspiration behind the book? Yeah. So I, I've been wanting to write this book for years and we'll talk about this. My brother died six weeks before we started our church. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the next year of pastoring and trying to hold my life together and everybody else's life together, my life fell apart. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the world was moving and I just thought that I couldn't go on. So this is just kind of my attempt at it, processing that grief out loud, Mm -hmm. inviting people into it. Like we so often tend to think that joy in life comes from reaching a finish line, a career, goal, accomplishment, achievement. But I found that success and joy comes in just the continual moving forward, being Mm -hmm. on the destination and the journey. And so I wanted to give people not just permission, but a script Mm -hmm. to be able to grieve their 
losses in mm-hmm. life and to move on to take that next step forward. Yeah, and I watched your docu-series to go along with the book last night, and I was in tears after I finished it. I would encourage anybody listening to watch it. I think the thing that stood out to me first was your friend, I can't remember his name, giving the reaction for when you found when you got the call in the restaurant. Oh, Richard. That your brother was gone. Mm-hmm. And the reason it like really impacted me, because back in, I think it was 91 or 92, my mom's baby sister was murdered. Mm. Her, not her baby sister, but the one before. Yeah. And I remember from what your fr- friend was describing, like the scream that I would hear from my mother as she's grieving her sister. Yeah. And it really reminded me, even though I was like four yeah. at the time, I still remember it's like semen in my mind, like right. the agony mm. in my mom's. And so it just made me remember yeah. when your your friend was like, you were like, sobbing in the restaurant that yeah 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 yeah. it's just it's strange right so in 2012 one of my good friends Mucci pastor in Miami his brother was murdered and his wife called me and said John I need you to go and tell him Mm. so 2012 I go and tell him I meet him up at the church and I tell him, and I just remember him. I remember just seeing, right, the, the hollowness in his eyes. And then he just ran. And I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that I had a sense of, ah, oh, what it felt like. Oh, it hurt. Like, I could feel his pain. Mm-hmm. And then in 2015, when it took place, it for me, it was like, oh, this is foreign. Mm-hmm. Whatever I thought that I shared of his pain, I've realized that I didn't. Yeah, get a fraction of it. Yeah, because you really don't know how grief is supposed, like how it's going to feel or the pain that comes. I remember two years ago, my grandfather passed, and our family is very close. Like we have Sunday dinners with the whole family on Sunday. So I'm seeing my grandfather all the time. He's a member of our church. Yeah, He passes, but he's in his 80s. And as I'm getting ready for his funeral, I got an email that my like apologetic hero died. Mm. And I just collapsed. Yeah. Because it was too much at one time. But also that Cornerstone was starting. I remember like during that time, it was like the uptick of Jude 3. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the best of times and the worst of times. yeah. And you're like, it's so much going up, so much positive happening. And then you just get hit with two people that mean a lot to you gone. And you're trying to grieve one and then another's taken. Yeah. You like feel pain. Yeah. But at both of the funerals, I struggled to cry, but I cried all the way up to it. So it was so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I was watching the docuseries and you were talking about like the beginning of Cornerstone, like you're excited about the launch of this church. Yeah. And then you get hit with a blow that's like devastating. Yeah, yeah. Like that's one of the things that makes life so confusing. Mm Mm-hmm. The joy and sorrow aren't parallel street. They Mm -hmm. don't just run side by side. It's not like you choose that you find this mixture. And what I love is even as we start to talk about grief, like there is this back and forth. There's a, I remember, and we're transported and drawn back into stories, Mm -hmm. right? June 7th, the day that the church launched, six weeks after my brother died, um, church launches all my family's there 200 of some people it's it's great just a good day and you start to feel like now i'm starting to come up and that night 
my wife gets a phone call and her grandmother passes. Mm -hmm. So then we're at a funeral that next Friday and it's that, right? That's the confusing thing about life. It's this constant joy and sorrow and there's times where you feel like I should be crying, but you can't cry. Mm -hmm. And times where you're like, yo, I feel like I should be smiling Mm -hmm. and all you can do is cry and it we don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And it almost makes you brace. I know for me what it's done for me in the last two years is brace myself for heartbreak or something catastrophic happening when things are going well. Because life has proven to be so bittersweet that when something good happens, you're almost looking for what's the next shoe to drop. I I don't know. Do you have that feeling? So I do, and I talk about it maybe in the book some or online, but in the months after my brother passed, Mm -hmm. most times when people lose somebody, they draw closer to the people that they love. So I come from a big family. It's me and my mom and dad, and I'm the third of five kids. Well, my brother Sam was the closest one to me, and most times when somebody passes, you want to draw closer. Mm -hmm. That didn't take place for me. Mm -hmm. I distanced myself from everybody that was in my family because I was trying to brace for that pain that I felt like, man, if it hurt this much when Sam passed... Mm -hmm. I don't want to increase the pain. I, I just want to make sure that when everybody else goes, it hurts less. Mm-hmm. And embracing for pain, like I thought that I was protecting myself mm-hmm. from future pain when I realized that the only thing that I was really doing was robbing myself of present joy. I could guarantee, like with Sam, mm-hmm. when he passed, the thing that went through my mind was, I should have made more of the time. Mm-hmm. I should have called them back. I should have told them that I loved him. Mm-hmm. And that's what takes place when we start to to brace for pain mm-hmm. in that way. And so, yeah, even to this day, yeah, Richard, the guy in the doc, one of my best friends in the whole world. We were freshman roommates at Baylor. We've literally lived in the same neighborhoods mm-hmm. across what? three different cities, two different states Mm -hmm. for the past 19 out of 20 years. Mm -hmm. And our friendship to this day is still a little bit strained, not because of him, but because of me. Yeah, I'm damaged goods in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, I remember him saying he feels like the friendship is he misses that part of you that it's like, unavailable. And I think it was somebody he said, it might've been him, but you were like an extroverted person and grief has turned you into kind of a introverted, isolated person. (laughs) What was that transition like for you? Is that a way of being like, it's safer introvert? Yeah, It's nothing that I think I've tried to do. It's a fate that has befallen me. Mm -hmm. So it's like this December 31st, 2014, I decided to stop trying to hide the fact my hairline was receding <laughs> and I shaved my head. My own daughter, when she sees pictures of me, like with the crispy lineup in the waves, she's, Yo, dad, like you had hair. She's so used to seeing me in this way that she can't even conceive of what I used to be like. And mm-hmm. for me, it was, that was not by choice. It was a fate that befell me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, prior to this, I think it was one part that was who I was and one part just naivety about the way that the world works. Mm -hmm. That I just lived with a sense of, 
Now, things are going to work out. They're good. Like, I grew up middle class. My parents took care of me. I didn't have to study for te- I genuinely worked hard. And whenever I put work in, things worked out. Mm-hmm. So I lived life with that upbeat, right, heel tapping. Ah, life is good. Mm-hmm. And then when I was hit with that, with the l- loss of my brother, it awakened me to, oh, no, this wor- this world does not work the way that you think at all, mm-hmm. right? It awakened me to, you know, nothing in life is ever really going to be everything that we hoped that it would. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that reality, yeah, mm-hmm. sobered me up and changed me. And I do think there were aspects of my extroversion that was just aimed at, you know, people that, like, I like to be liked. I come into a room and it's like, yo, I want y'all to mm-hmm. <laughs> like me. And after that, I just didn't care as much. I'm still very much a verbal processor. So mm-hmm. even in the mini doc that, that we did, like, folks was like, yo, when did you come to the realization that that was the case? It's like when me and Rich were filming and I was, and I was talking, right? Uh-huh. And so same here. Right? I feel like therapy, right? <laughs> Maybe it is a way of me yeah, still trying to guard myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's grief and things that you experience fundamentally shift you. Yeah, changes you. And it changes you. I, I remember thinking through the loss of like my hero and then losing him again in a different way. And then having this thing where I didn't want to personally speak or be in the forefront because it seemed like ministry success was a trap. Mm, mm. Like it was, it, it leads somewhere, but it just traps you in the end. Right. Right. And when I was seeing like all the damage, yeah. I was like, man, I just want to be in the background. Maybe God has something for me to say. Maybe he doesn't, but I don't want to mismanage that. Yeah. And it was like, I don't, and it was like grief compounded with seeing the impact on other people. Mm. And you're like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody. And so you just, it just, grief just fundamentally shifts your mentality where your goals shift. Right. Mm. Yeah. You realize when you were talking about like, you just wanted to see your brother again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your yeah. goals in life, I'm sure you had ambitions that are different from your current ambitions because right. of how grief shifted you fundamentally. Can you speak about that a little bit? So I think it it sobers you up to the things that really matter, Mm -hmm. right? In the Bible, in Ephesians 1, 3, right? Like Paul's going to say, hey, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And people tend to be like, Sally Mae don't take spiritual blessings, Mm -hmm. so I want earthly blessings, and those are the things that we work for. And then you go to a funeral, and I think that's why they'll say, yo, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting because the wise know that this is the end of all mankind. Mm-hmm. You, you go to the funeral and what you find is everybody's longing for spiritual blessing, for peace. Mm-hmm. Everybody with money at a funeral finds themselves with a problem money can't solve. Mm-hmm. Everybody with beauty and charm finds themselves with a problem that beauty and charm can't solve. And... It's like that moment, right, as the tears flow, like normally like water on a windshield or tears on the eyes make things look foggy. Mm -hmm. But it's actually in those times that you see life clearest, Mm -hmm. that it wipes away all of the 
peripheral things that one day are not going to matter. And mm -hmm. at that point, you just come into grips with, no, 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 this is the thing of the utmost importance. And the fight is, how do I keep that perspective mm -hmm. once the funeral tears or the grieving tears mm -hmm. dry up? How do I keep that sobriety when the sadness starts to wane? Mm -hmm. And that's the trick. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard someone describe it on Instagram saying yeah. they went to a therapy session and they found themselves crying about something that happened years ago. Uh. And their therapist said grief is like a, a circular staircase. Mm. Yeah. That you go up higher, but it looks like you're coming back to the same center. Uh. Yeah. But it's always going to be like that. It's always yeah. going to be that emotion that comes no matter how far you ascend it's not the exact same spot but it feels like the same spot yeah, there is no expiration date mm -hmm. and that's the thing that people don't get people that first of all as we talk about grief it's a mistake for us to think that deep grief only takes place when you lose someone that you love if anything these past two years have taught us all like no 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 everybody in our world is acquainted with grief in a unique way. The college of your dreams, not being able to go there. Folks have grieved that. They've grieved the loss of prom, the loss of friendship, the loss of grandparents, the loss of career, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Grief doesn't have an expiration date, mm -hmm. right? It's not like a loaf of bread where, mm -hmm. all right, grief is really fresh now, but then as time goes on, grief will wane. Yeah. Oh, grief is a non-perishable food item that regardless of how long it sits back there on the shelf like mm -hmm. you can crack it open and be transported like right back to that like place in time like it's been seven years and there's still songs that will come up that I can't listen to because they transport me mm. back instantly and it all comes out, and at first, it's surprising because you'll say things like, I thought I was done with that. It was so long ago. Mm -hmm. But time only matters if something has an expiration date. Yeah. If it doesn't, then you've just got to know, oh, no, this is now a part of the equation. And we've got to learn to, yeah, to live with it. Yeah, and I think deal with it. I love that you mentioned that grief is not just the death of a person mm. it is relationships ending yeah. and i think that takes another layer because you see a person it's one thing when a person dies you're not seeing them right. on instagram right. going on with their life without yeah. you mm -hmm. yeah. but when you're able to see people progressing and doing well without you that brings another layer of grief yeah. too yeah. and it's good to press in to right. that grief and allow yourself to grieve because I remember, because in, in my own grief journey with my grandfather and the apologetic hero, after a week of that and going to the funerals, I just dropped back into work. Yeah. Ugh. Because it's, we're still a smaller organization. Right. So if I stop, the whole thing stops pretty much. And so it's like, we got to go on. Right. Like yeah. the books, we right. go on. Right. But not going on in the way you're talking about, going on in an unhealthy way. Right. I remember my best friend saying to me, she was like, uh, that was a lot. You're not going to take a break. Yeah. And for me, I think taking a break would have had to sit with emotions that you're not 
wanting to sit with right yeah. now. Yeah. It's just easier to Forces go you on. To deal with. Oh yeah. And and like you and I do ministry, so we know right. like people are being impacted. So people are saying, "Oh man, you really blessed me," and that's a way you like rationalize with, it, yeah. yeah, and just cope and say, "Oh yeah, no, see, I know, I, I know that I'm hurt, but." There's something that God has me to do. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we dehumanize ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we turn ourselves into some soulless, embodied commodity mm-hmm. that we offer to God and God just uses all mm-hmm. the while like our soul is shriveling and we assume that God doesn't yeah, care. Mm-hmm. And that's the easy way, mm-hmm. uh, easier in the short term. Mm-hmm. Right. It it exacts a large toll in the long run. How did you see that take place with you? For me, I think I became numb. Mm. Yeah. So you become numb and you're just like, oh, I'm not affected by it. I'm I'm cool. It happened. And then you start saying, for me, they were old. They, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, they it's they lived a full life. Yeah. yeah. And so you try to make self-soothe. Yeah. And you don't give yourself the space. Mm. I think for me, it was a little harder because my, my grandfather died once, but mm. my hero died twice. Mm. <laughs> and so it was just like, man, this is just too much. Right. And I think it was just so overwhelming yeah. that it's like I almost turned it off in my mind right. just to cope. Mm. And that's when I noticed myself declining speaking engagements yeah. because I was like, man, that's too much. That line that you said, that your grandfather died once, but you hero died twice in the two deaths of your hero which one do you think was the harder one to grieve the second one which i don't even think i'm finished grieving that one yeah but yeah 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 um yeah no 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 i'm under yeah and sometimes like yo this is this is good, right? Like it's it's a it's not about answers right now, right? Like it's a like we're so quick to want to like hurdle to the finish line. Like my daughter, when we walk upstairs, I've got longer legs than she does, mm-hmm. so I can hurdle two or three or four steps. She looks at me. And she wants to get there as quick. And it's like, no, 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 Ava, you've got to hit each step. It's going to be slower, but look, you're going to get there. Your focus is not the end goal. Just hit the next step. And that's what like grief is for us. It's us just being able to have somebody to come alongside us and to say, oh, no, just hit the next step. Like, it's fresh. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been Three years. Yeah. And it, we're in our 30s. Mm-hmm. And I just think we don't realize. So life is short. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we realize in some ways life is life can be long. Mm-hmm. And three years is not a lot of time. Yeah. Seven years is not a lot of time. And so I don't. Don't come here with you to talk with you. I didn't write this as some expert. Mm-hmm. It's no, listen, this is my experience. Mm-hmm. That's why when we talk about grief, what we do is this. Me and you talk. Mm-hmm. 
and we're saying, I remember. And it's a conversation which we're inviting folks to eavesdrop. Yeah. But it's not saying you should deal with grief like no 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 no. It's yeah. it's a yo, tap in and tap out where it's helpful yeah. and to know like, yo, this is okay, they're not being put together the silence, the not have having the right words. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. So somebody who was entering into grief right yeah. now, mm-hmm. loss of a loved one. Yeah. I mean, with COVID. Yeah. There's several yeah. people who are affected. We got we think about just this weekend, Buffalo. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And how I, I was talking about that to my mom this morning, yeah. and she was like, "It's so interesting to see all the names of the people and what they did, and see like the majority of them Christians, people yeah. who work in their church. One was a de- like a deaconess, a mission, a missionary, a, yeah. you know, at the church." And it's older people. Right. So to me, that's a whole nother level of evil to just be able to shoot elderly people. Like how specifically, let's start with Buffalo situation because that's another layer of grief and anger and rage that comes because of the racial um, aspect to it. Yeah. How would you, for people who are enraged, angry, grieving, like what are some thoughts that you have in that space? You know, one of the first thoughts that I've had especially like for us people that are like in in our stage right now it's yo like your thoughts your emotions and your grief Mm -hmm. are too valuable Mm -hmm. for you to entrust them to social media and then move on Mm -hmm. that is it may feel cathartic but it is not healing it's it's a distraction right now mm-hmm. because instead of sitting with just and I don't mean to this to be sacrilegious, but instead of sitting with the anger and the frustration and the doubt, the very real and justified anger and doubt that you have with the Lord that he would allow something like this, you post it online, get some clown that comes back and says brings up the, well, in Buffalo, more black babies have been aborted. And and now what you do is you take all of that rage, all that pent-up frustration, and look, and you go back and forth with them and have a dialogue with a bot or somebody that's not there. Mm-hmm. All the while, you don't deal with the real emotions and angst and doubt in your heart. No, God, once all of that is done, the thing that I really struggle with, God, is that I don't think that you're good. Mm-hmm. I do not think that you are a good God because there is no conceivable way in my mind that a good God not just would allow this to take place, but would keep on allowing it to take place in a day and age where we constantly see it and are bombarded. God, do you even care about us? Now, that's a different conversation. And that's one that has the propensity and the power for us to move forward. But the problem is we never get there because we're too busy being distracted by people that we're not going to convince. And even if we convince them and won them over, it wouldn't fix the deficit of trust that we have in our soul towards the Lord. So mm-hmm. my advice is, yo, take a step back. Mm-hmm. 
be honest, right? And understand that, no, and like, this is your whole thing is built on it. Like, doubt in and of itself is not an enemy of faith mm-hmm. any more than wind is an enemy of fire. Mm-hmm. Wind can be, right? A five-year-old can come along and blow out a birthday candle. Yeah. Or that wind can blow on a small spark mm-hmm. and turn a cigarette butt into a forest fire. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, yo, yo, our doubt is wind. And our faith may be a small fire, but if our doubt's aimed directly and channeled rightly, it's not going to put out our faith. Mm-hmm. It's going to grow our faith. And so I'd say, nah, step away, step away. Psalm 3 is a great script. Mm-hmm. Step away, like, and just be reminded, like, man, your prayers can really eat, reach God's ears. Mm-hmm. And if you are angry at somebody, and theologically, you're the type of person to believe mm-hmm. that God is all-powerful and in control, then just sit with the fact, no, 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 you're angry at him. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, mm-hmm. so long as you directly direct that doubt and dialogue to him so i would say yo feel what you're gonna feel mm-hmm. greed don't be ashamed of it mm-hmm. right like it's like last night there was a church in california mm-hmm. yesterday it was shot up mm-hmm. i live in georgia i was grieving the loss of buffalo i have a concealed carry license when i went to church yesterday morning my Glock 43X was on my hip. And it's, but I, but I like know the angst that's in my soul and I'm not hiding it and I don't act like it's not there. And so I'd say instead of entrusting your most precious thoughts to nameless, faceless people, take them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's good. I love that you said that and mentioned the anger being angry at God because I think people they are uncomfortable with saying it mm. but they feel it in their soul oh yeah and it's if I verbalize it then God's gonna strike me down and yeah. he already knows what's he in our knows. heart and you can't overcome it if you don't confess right. it yeah. and I think you have to be angry like when I'm thinking about how many people are thinking man whoever lost their grandmother that was a missionary to church yeah man, my grandma went to church served in a food pantry always doing for people and this is the way God let her die like right. whoever that grandchild is or that child they're probably gonna have to sit with the fact that they have a lot of anger towards God absolutely in that space and that's okay yeah absolutely it's not only is it okay but it's human and that is the bitterness of the world in which we live mm-hmm. right so when the author of Ecclesiastes is gonna say yo meaningless He's going to use this word that means vapor. Mm. The word is hebel. Mm. means, yeah, vapor. That word is the same root word that's used for a name in the Bible. Mm. Abel. And you look at the first four chapters of the Bible, and this is what you see. See, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel. Three of the four sinned terribly. One was innocent. Three of the four get to live to see their great-grandchildren and die peacefully. One is brutally murdered. 
who was the one that was brutally murdered? The innocent one, not the three that did. And it's just his way of saying, huh, so it's like, like you live long enough and you just see that ah, the formulas that we have for life, they don't work. They do not work. And so you do not put your hope for joy in a formula. You've got to get to a place where when that frustration and angst comes, you can take it directly to God because that's going to be a conversation that you have to get comfortable with having. Mm -hmm. It's got to be in uh, those words have to be an acquired taste in your mouth because you're going to continually use them. Last question. Yes. Uh, for those who are around people who are grieving, yeah, what is the advice you would give them? Because people, I know it's hard when I see people grieving. Yeah. You don't know what to do. Yeah. And you feel like you have to say something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so what advice would you give? What was some of the best help that you received during your grief? People's like, presence. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Presence, presence is the greatest gift in that. And is um, that silent presence? Yeah, silent presence. I'll start with the Bible and then I'll come into life. You go through the book of Job and Job loses it all. Unimaginable grief. And the bright spot in the book is that his friends come and they sit with him in silence for those for that first week. And that's like the bright spot in the book. In a book where Job loses everything, that's confined to two chapters. 40 chapters are spent with him suffering, hearing, and needing to go back and forth. Mm -hmm. So the greater suffering mm -hmm. proportionately in the book is Job warding off the terrible words of his friend. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a few things that can be very helpful in grief. One is silent presence. Mm -hmm. Two is proactively taking care of the simple needs, not grand gestures, simple needs. If somebody's grieving, just say, yo, I thought about you here. Uber Eats gift cards. I know that there's so much stuff that can go on in your mind. I don't want you to have to think about the small stuff. Three, prayer, right? One of the things that I love is that when you pray for somebody, you don't have to get permission from them mm -hmm. to do so. You 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 can yeah, pray. And then four is not being so quick. So if I could give a piece of advice and I am just gonna gonna look, not saying, never ever saying, I know exactly how you feel. That is the hardest thing because you just sit with a sense of grief and you say, No, you don't. You can't possibly know exactly how I feel. Sometimes just the words, I can't imagine how you feel, um, can go a long way. And and just to strap in and just to know that it's a journey. It takes, it, it takes time and let go of the expectation that they are going to be back to normal. There is no back to normal. There's a new normalcy that comes on. And the best thing that you can do is just to yeah, stay with them and walk with them. And 
be patient with them. I think mm-hmm. of my wife. I think of Trey. I think of Richard. I think of Mo. I think of all the people in my life that were just so patient with me as I, yeah, struggled. I'm grateful that in the same way grief didn't expire, that their patience didn't expire either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's helpful. Well, so. thank you. Thank you, John. Yes. This has been a rich conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Make sure y'all get his book. How can people get connected to you on social? Yeah, there's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. There's all of that. But I I don't like fighting the algorithm. So you can find stuff there. But And this will be a small aside. I know our time's going to go. I've lamented a, a little bit social media and feeling the need to, like, constantly like throw breadcrumbs. And so I feel like I'm breaking these breadcrumbs one Instagram reel at a time and I'm not creating anything substantive. Mm-hmm. And I think of like people in the world that have just done like dope things. I think, oh no, there's a reason why Christopher Nolan doesn't have an email address. Mm-hmm. Be- because he's, yo, I can spend my time firing off stuff all the time or I can create something substantive. So I think the best way is... And I'm old, I'm starting to go old school right now. I've got a blog and <laughs> substantive stuff there. Jono.blog is going to be the best way to sign up for people to plug into what I'm doing. Awesome. And you have a podcast. Windows and Mirrors. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Daily podcast through the Bible um, in a year. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, hey, we have a new curriculum out, Courageous Conversations, the tools you need for the conversations and culture. It is a six-week small group guide. We have a learner's, uh, a leader's guide, and the book, it's a great tool for you and your church small group to go through. Talk about everything from sexuality, justice, the exclusivity of Jesus, truth. I can't remember the other chapters off the top of my head, but it's a great resource and I encourage you to get it on Amazon or our website at g3project.org backslash shop. Also, Courageous Conversations, the conference is September 2nd and 3rd in Washington, D.C., back at Capital Turnaround National Community Church. You want to join us there. Tickets sold out last year in person, so definitely want to register at CourageousConvos.org to get your tickets today. Remember here at Jude 3 Project, we're helping you know what you believe and why you believe it. And until next time, grace and peace and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well so thank you so much for tuning in also remember we have our bible engagement app in partnership with back to the bible to help you get better engaged in the bible every single day you take a survey it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you bible verses based on those so it's a great app you can download the app by searching in your app store or google play searching jute 3 project and it'll be right there for you 
So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.